and welcome to the Around the Table podcast with pastors Matt Smith and Nick Decker. This podcast is all about the ministry and preaching of Lebanon Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. The goal is to help you grow in your faith and spiritual walk with the Lord every single day of your life. To learn more about Lebanon Baptist Church, visit lbcnow.org. And now your hosts, Matt Smith and Nick Decker. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for another episode of Around the Table as we're looking at family matters and uh, discussing current cultural issues uh, that you and your family may deal with and uh, looking at what the Bible has to say about those things and have a biblical conversation around those issues. And so uh, we looked at homosexuality the past few episodes and now we're moving into the topic of depression, uh, and uh, Pastor Matt actually will speak to a little bit more about uh, maybe what we mean by that, and, uh, and so I'm going to throw it over to him uh, to actually just uh, mention a few minutes about exactly what we mean when we talk about depression. Yeah, so uh, in this episode, we're going to tackle uh, the concept, uh, the, the issue of, of depression. We're going to be looking at, uh, somewhat looking at mental health um, in general, and talking about that, um, but depression specifically. There are other terms like anxiety. There will be some overlap. Sometimes what we'll be talking about will be more specific related to depression. Sometimes it'll be more general under the umbrella of mental health. But our purpose in all of this is to try to um, equip uh, families um, in our church and families that uh, are not in our church, uh, that should be in our church, who are uh, listening to this. Uh, But our, our goal is to try to equip you uh, with resources to have these kind of conversations uh, uh, when, when there needs to be a conversation with your, your kids or grandkids or, or family members involved. Um, I want to kind of say as a disclaimer to this, uh, a few things. One, we won't cover everything. So we're not going to cover everything in this one podcast episode related to the topic of depression or especially to the topic of, of mental health in general. Um, the other thing I want to say, like there, so there will be some things that we, we just don't get to. The other thing I want to say is we're not mental health uh, professionals. None of us are, um, you know, none of us have licensed uh, degrees in this. Uh, we're, none of us are medical doctors either. Um, th- there are physiological, uh, there are physiological components involved uh, sometimes related to, I don't know if it's all the time, but sometimes there are physiological uh, components related to the brain and all of that when we talk about depression and anxiety and that uh, th- this kind of topic. So um, w- this should not be a substitute for seeking medical advice on any of this. Uh, we're not going to be speaking as medical professionals. We're going to be speaking from biblical spiritual uh, uh, a biblical spiritual standpoint related to these uh, topics. And so I just want to kind of clarify some of that. Um, We've all we, we all have been affected um, in some way or another uh, by uh, depression, anxiety, mental health, whether it be a struggle that we've had ourselves during a season of life or a particular time, or whether someone we know. Uh, we'll even talk some in the episode about um, about suicide, and and we all of us know someone or, or or have been affected by someone who knows someone that took their own life, and and we'll even talk a little bit about that. Uh, we want to give you some resources. We want to equip you. We want to prepare you. We want to speak to this from a biblical standpoint. Uh, but just know, you know, we're not medical professionals. Um, and and there, there is, we all believe and agree that there are medical, uh, physiological components to this. If not every time, uh, at least sometimes we, we would acknowledge that. 
Um, I know in my own personal life, um, and this would be the whole episode if I talked about all of this, but uh, in my own personal life, I had a, uh, my dad was on, my father was on uh, medication for anxiety and depression um, most of my childhood. And, um, and now uh, my father's at a point where he's, he is actually in a mental health facility, care facility, um, in one that's locked where he, because he, he tries to leave because of, of the mental health issues and have gotten to a point where they have in his life um, to where that's, that's the care that he has to receive now. You know, so we've all, we, we've all interacted with some of this on different levels. There was, um, even for me, I won't go into all this, but I had a season in my own life um, a few years ago where there was about a six to eight month period of time where I had major uh, anxiety and depression related uh, issues that involved, had to have uh, medical treatment um, to, to take care of some of that. I know, Nick, uh, you know more of that kind of story uh, for me. We've talked about it quite a bit. And maybe in a future episode, um, you know, I can come back and, and share that whole story and talk about it. But but that was a season uh, that I went through. So I have personal experience with this, uh, both in my home life from my own father and mental health issues, even for myself uh, for a season of time. So there are medical physiological components. There are times where, you know, uh, you need to see a medical doctor. We're going to look at it from uh, more of the biblical, scriptural, and spiritual standpoint. So kind of with, with that foundation laid and, and with those um, disclaimers kind of out there, um, let, let's jump into this topic a little yes. more. Yes, I appreciate you sharing that. And I, uh, I forgot to do one thing. I forgot to introduce our uh, guest podcaster. Is that what you'd call it? A guest podcaster? I don't know. Is well, that a word? Is, I, that, is I, podcaster a word? I just I made make it, it up a word. right there. Yeah, we'll make it up. <laughs> Kimberly Ritchie, our children's ministry assistant and admin assistants to join us today. Uh, she's oh. going to speak to... Uh, yeah, if y'all didn't know, she's up here. <laughs> she's going she's gonna to help us speak into some of this from a, from a parent standpoint and, uh, and, and the life of your child. And so uh, we're excited to have her on this. And as usual, we have Pastor Sean, our student ministry pastor. Uh, I'm Pastor Nick, family ministries and outreach pastor, and then Pastor Matt, our lead pastor. So uh, that's who's joining us today. I hope you enjoy that. Uh, let's begin with uh, maybe quickly just speaking into why are we talking about this subject? Pastor Matt really hit on it. I don't even know if we even got to mention too many things, uh, but he said it. And I think that the main, probably the first reason we're talking about this is because it affects everybody. Uh, depression, mental health touches everybody's life in some way, shape, or form. And so we want to speak, uh, speak into that. Pastor Sean, what else do you think? Why, why, do, you, why do we talk about this? Uh, I think specifically coming for me as student ministry pastor is just talking about how it's affecting our students. Um, and in the current, especially in the current climate of where we're at with COVID, uh, mental health uh, concerns was already increasing. And in the past two years with just the isolation and different things that we've had to do because of COVID, it's just continued uh, to skyrocket even further. Um, and a lot of students don't know how to cope, handle, or even talk about what they're going through. So it's important for us to help guide our members as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever they are, to be able to speak into that student's life and be able to see like, something's going on here that I need to talk about with my child or my grandchild, whatever it may be, um, and trying to help them guide through the situation. Because honestly, the one of the biggest issues with uh, especially depression is it's the self-isolation. And if there's nobody there to kind of help 
be with you in that moment, uh, that's where things get real dark whenever you're isolated by yourself. Um, and I, I can speak out of my own situation. You know, I've never personally dealt with any type of mental health situations, but my wife uh, deals with uh, pretty severe depression and anxiety. And so living with someone who suffers from it and me never experienced it or having it, it was hard when we first got married to understand it at all. So at first, my way of dealing with it was, well, let me pull back and just let Cameron handle it on her own. And then through, you know, lots of talks and, and some arguments, it, I learned that's not what I need to do is, is when she's going through an episode where she's really struggling, even though in her mind she wants to self-isolate, is I got to be there as her husband alongside of her to help be, you know, comfort her. It doesn't mean I have to fix this situation, but I need to be there to comfort her in that moment. Um, I think us helping the parents or guardians, whatever the situation is, know like if you see these symptoms and these different things in your child, don't think, well, they're just going to get over it or it's just going to get better. No, you've got to, you've got to work into their lives and try to help give them guidance so that they can step out of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, you, you know, we, we see, we also, like you mentioned in passing, we see the generation today, Gen Z, uh, struggling with depression more than any other previous generation, largest generation today, and also the largest generation dealing with um, mental health issues. And so it's prevalent among our younger generations, Gen Alpha as well. They, they don't have all the statistics on that, but they're saying Gen Alpha uh, is going to be just as bad, if not worse, when it comes to these issues. And so we want to speak into that. That's one of the reasons why we're talking about this. Uh, and then at, lastly, I would say uh, not only do we want to speak into this issue because it's going on in our society, but we also want to give hope. You know, there's there's hope in this, and and uh, his name is Jesus, and and his word uh, can can give us hope in, in the midst of all this. So, uh, speaking of that, let's let's talk about quickly, and I use quickly uh, carefully here because the Bible speaks on mental health over and over and over again, and so we're just going to kind of give a broad. And you guys can help me here and speak into this. We're just going to give a broad overview uh, when it comes to what Scripture says, maybe starting in the Old Testament. There's several books that speak to uh, depression, but uh, Psalms and Proverbs over and over again. Uh, you see David and the authors of Psalms and, and Proverbs speak into um, this issue of discouragement. Maybe there's some references you guys want to throw out to that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll mention a few here. Um, yeah, so in the Psalms, the Psalms are very emotional uh, books, and a lot of times we read the Psalms like we read other parts of Scripture, like narrative. But the Psalms are not that; that they're it's poetry, and it's filled with a lot of emotion, and they're dealing with their situation, how they're feeling. A lot of times, you'll read something in the Psalms, and if you look carefully at it, it's not technically true what the psalmist may be saying, but it feels that way to the psalmist. Okay, <laughs> so like uh, the psalmist may uh, talk as if God has forsaken him. Well, God has not forsaken him, but he feels as if he has, right? And so th th that's where we see some of this. Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my, of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. See, see how he's talking about a dealing with and a wrestling with fear and anxiety there. And how do I overcome that? You know, I overcome that. Um, you know, with, with the Lord waiting on him and, and recognizing that. There's sort of a self-talk that's going in here. Um, and the hope that, that comes up because the Lord is the one. Psalm 34, 18 tells us the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. So there is even mention of, okay, there are people who are brokenhearted. And the Lord saves those crushed 
in spirit. Um, we, we've all been there at times where yep. we have felt crushed in our spirit. We have felt brokenhearted. Um, certainly people that are uh, dealing with uh, depression are feeling crushed in their spirit and they're feeling brokenhearted. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. And He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Uh, And then probably one of my um, famous, not famous, but favorite, it is sort of a famous passage related to mental health, but sort of my favorite text is the, the one in Psalm 42. And in Psalm 42, the psalmist talks to himself. And I, I love kind of just the imagery of that um, because that's, we, we have to do that at times. The psalmist in Psalm 42, verse 5 says uh, to himself, Why are you cast down? I'm going to read it from, from out of this translation. Why, why, are you, uh, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? You know, like, why are you down? Why are you depressed? Why are you, why are you low? And then he says, hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. But see, he's talking himself through some of mm-hmm. this. And he's saying, you know, I'm not praising God right now. Well, I thought the Christian life was all about praise and joy and being upbeat all the time and christianity yeah k love i mean if you're i hate to say this but if you're down and depressed sometimes listening to k love doesn't help because the people come on and they talk about everything just works out perfectly and it's great but here's the psalmist saying i'm down and i'm not praising the lord right now but my hope is in god i will i will again in the future i will i will praise him yeah. Uh, just a couple other passages, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll make your path straight. There is hope in God that He'll work these things out for us. It's not a bleak picture, but we gotta we got to trust in Him yeah. and not be uh, afraid. There's other Old Testament texts, Psalm, uh, Isaiah 41.10. There's many others. Mm-hmm. But then there's some in the Gospels and, and, the, New, and the Epistles and uh, we want to talk about some of those today as well. Yeah, uh, Kimberly, what about you? You got a uh, New Testament passage that maybe speaks to you when it comes to these issues. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. There, you know, like Matt mentioned, there are really a lot of passages. I mean, I, I personally do love the Psalms. I think that they really do speak to you know um, the Proverbs three, five, and six. I mean, I think trusting in God. You know, I mean, when I'm when I'm talking to the kids you know, about what does it mean to worship God? You know, I say, well, maybe not all of us necessarily feel like singing right now. You know, I say that to them. And I say, if you don't feel like singing right now, let's let's start thinking about some things this week that maybe we're thankful for. You know, I, yeah. you know, I point out to them, you know, if, if we, uh, you know, remember that God gave us the very breath in our lungs, that's one thing we can be thankful for, you know. And I, I ask them a lot about, you know, okay, but what did Jesus do for you? You know, and so there are always reasons to praise God, you know. And we go over the fact that memorizing Scripture very much is about partly those times that you're down and when you need to remember the promises of God. And so part of that, you know, scripture memory they do in Awanas is not, you know, I keep telling them it's not just to get candy. It's not to go to the Awana store. Yeah. Um, the reason we memorize scripture is so that we can do that self-talk that Matt talked about, you know, when we, when we're in those moments, you know, I tell them, I love the passage that says, you know, um, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. I can't remember the exact reference of that one, but that's probably one of my favorite psalms. Um, I do love First Peter 5, 7, you know, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 
Um, you know, and then just um, anytime that an author in scripture is being very honest about how they're doing. I mean, I know that Paul talks about having a thorn in the flesh, you know, and, you know, he's just very honest about the fact that, you know, either way I'm going to praise the Lord and either way God's going to be the one that helps me with those things. And so I think that a lot of these passages talk about the reality of what somebody is feeling and the feelings are not the enemy. It's yeah. what we do with those feelings. It's who we choose to ultimately put our hope and trust in. Yeah. And so God doesn't promise we're not going to go through these things, but he does promise he'll be with us when we are going through these things. He'll send people to help us. Yeah, and I, I like what you talked about, the value of Scripture memory in cases mm-hmm. like that, because if you think about it, when someone is depressed or they're overcome with anxiety or worry uh, or they're down, a lot of what they're thinking is not true. Yeah. They're thinking things that are not true. And that's why Scripture is so important, because that is true. And so when they remind themselves that God is in control, that He is the rock, that He is the one we put our trust in, when we're talking ourselves through those things from Scripture, we're, we're putting truth back into our mind, trying to get rid of these things false thoughts that have got us, you know, down in the dumps or have got us, you know, anxious. Yeah. Yeah. We could just like stop right now. You guys just like <laughs> preached to us. So I think we could just pause. Like that was good. I appreciate yeah. y'all sharing that. And there, there are characters too in the Bible. And maybe yeah. Sean, uh, you could speak to this a little bit and we won't, we won't spend just a few more minutes on this, but not only are there references and whole books committed to this issue, but we also see characters in the Bible who actually deal with discouragement and it's what both of y'all said it's a reality um what are some characters though come to your mind as we think about this that deal deal with this issue yeah well i know uh one is jonah and me and you kind of teamed up and did a series on jonah this past summer on sunday nights and you know jonah god calls jonah to go to nineveh and what does jonah say he says oh i just want to (laughs) die i just want to die i don't i don't want to do this um and what that's showing is is yes Jonah was going against God's call for his life, but Jonah was in despair. He was so upset and emotional. He's like, I don't even want to live anymore. And it's not that that happened one time, but it was multiple times. Jonah literally was in this situation of almost taking his life because he would rather have done that than to than to listen to what God had to say. You know, we also have Jeremiah where he wrestled a lot with loneliness and like the feeling of being defeated, um, like he wasn't worth anything. Uh, you know, I also think of like uh, Bible characters like Paul, you know, Paul had to have went through a lot of emotional distress. The different things and tragedies that took place in Paul's life, I can't imagine him uh, constantly being a happy man after all what he went through. Um, and there's many other Bible characters that you can imagine. I mean, I even think about Jesus. I mean, Jesus, before he goes on the cross, what is he doing? He's, he's praying by himself. And, you know, he continues to go to the disciples and say, guys, pray with me. And he keeps finding them asleep. And I can't imagine the loneliness Jesus felt there. My, my own disciples won't even pray with me right now, you know, and he also realizes I'm about to go through this weight of everyone's sin after die on the cross. You know, I imagine Jesus had a time of, of, you know, loneliness and feeling just absolutely isolated in that moment of about what was going to happen to him in that moment. So, you know, there's many characters we can go yeah. through, um, and it's not like it's, it's something that's not talked about in the Bible. Yeah, and one I would just add to probably a, a very famous uh, Old Testament character dealt with this was Elijah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elijah has this great victory. Sometimes, you know, our depression and all this comes after some major, exciting, eventful, positive experience. He just had this major victory against 300 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel where he went against them and challenged them and, and he called down fire. God sent fire down from heaven and consumed and, you know, the sacrifice and all this and, and then destroys these prophets and and elijah's like i just made a great victory for god look at this faith look at this trust and then 
Jezebel's like, I'm going to take care of Elijah. He hears that she's coming for him. Yeah. And what does he do? He runs. He's afraid. He's not courageous. And he gets to this point in 1 Kings 19 where he says, I've had enough. Just take my life, Lord. Yeah. I mean, wow. Like here he was. He just defeated all these prophets of Baal, and now he's suicidal. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's another character that dealt with this. Um, and I think we can look at their story, look at their examples and the humanity of their experience, and we can, we can glean wisdom from yeah. that. The Bible does, to this topic, speak throughout the pages of Scripture. Yeah, for sure. And then we see, uh, we see throughout church history great men and women of God yes. who have dealt with this issue, and it's real um, and it's evident. Uh, I can't. I can't help but think of Charles Spurgeon, who who dealt with that his whole ministry, his whole life. And many times we miss that he did so many great things. Uh, but there, there are so many. And and I think what we see here in summation, when we look at scripture, I think scripture says number one, depression, mental health. It, it's real. Mm-hmm. It's a real issue. So we're not throwing that out. But then number two, I think it also speaks to hope. And like I said, so I think it's real. If I could just, I mean, that's not everything, but if I could sum, summarize that in two things, it's real and there's hope mm-hmm. in the midst of that. And that's what scripture, I think, uh, speaks to when it comes to this issue. Uh, okay, so let's do this. We've got just a few minutes left. Let's transition to the how. I love to talk about the how. I think we all like to talk about how, how do we speak uh, about this issue? Um, how do we talk about this issue when we come to our family members, our children, our students? Uh, other family members, how do we speak about this issue? Why don't you guys speak into that a second? Yeah, so the, the first thing I will say, uh, just coming from the student ministry side, is the is we have to accept it. As parents, grandparents, guardians, whatever the situation may be, is you have to accept it as a reality. Um, Cameron and I have been faced with several students who have come to us to talk to us about different emotions and things that they're dealing with on the mental health side of, uh, of life. And I'll always ask, my first question is, well, have you talked to your parents? Because they need to. That, that's so important. And a lot of them will respond with, well, yes, I have, but they said I don't have a reason to feel like this. That is not how we approach it. We have to realize that, yes, again, like me, I've never dealt with mental health, so I don't, I don't understand how it works or why, how, why or how somebody feels that way, but that doesn't mean you just disregard it. Because that does not help the situation in any yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, like you know, right? Like some, a lot of times, a person doesn't have a reason to feel that way, but they still feel that way. Yeah, and they that's what feel that way, them. and it's real to them. Yeah. yeah, from from outsiders looking on, a lot of times we that's that is the case. You don't have a reason to feel this way, but they they can't see that. Yep. they can't see that. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, and you, you have to accept it as a reality. Um, you know, a couple just statistics that I wrote down kind of going on the student ministry side is one thing is in the ages of 10 to 34 suicide is the second leading cause of death in the ages of 10 to 34 mm-hmm. and a lot of that comes from is is when they try to talk about it people respond with either you don't have a reason or they don't get hurt at all so they don't they're like to them it's well something's wrong with me like and and they that goes to either self-harm or suicide because they don't they don't know how to grasp and there's no one trying to help them um and then also just just going on that same thing is actually since 2007 to 2017 suicide in the ages of 10 to 14 year olds has tripled in in just 10 years in that 10 year span mm-hmm. tripled and I, I imagine it's probably even more now that we've went through covid mm-hmm. and this isolation period and all these different things and and a lot of times that's where the depression leads to is because they feel so alone so 
lonely, so isolated, so emotionally distraught that they think the only way for me to get out of this is is just to to not live any longer. Hmm. And so I think as parents is we have to accept it as a reality. And then two, we have to be willing to listen and not try to take charge. Um, whenever we listen to a student that, or, or a child that's, or anyone really that's dealing with this is you don't try to fix it. You personally don't just try to fix it. Start by listening, listen to what they're talking about. And instead of throwing answers at them right off the bat, listen, and then let's start to walk through this because you don't want them to feel like you're trying to take control and charge over their life because a lot of times what that'll do is that'll push them further into isolation because they're thinking you're not hearing what I mm. have to say. You're not listening to what I'm telling you. You're just trying to fix the problem, but I've already tried these things. I've heard that from students. You know, my parents tell me to do this, but I've already tried that and that doesn't work. And every time I go back to them, they say, well, just try this and it doesn't work. So they say, I'm just not going to talk to anybody. Yeah. And that never ends well. Yeah, and if they feel lonely and then they do open up about their experience, but they're not heard or listened mm -hmm. to, they feel even more lonely. Yes. Because before describing the experience to their, you know, family or friends or parents, before describing it, there, there's some sense of hope. Maybe somebody will understand. But then if they describe it and there's no understanding, that pushes them further into the loneliness. Mm -hmm. Yep. Kimberly, yeah. what about you? you? Got some some things that you would recommend to parents, maybe that that are dealing with this with their kids, or maybe some ways they can be on the lookout for it as well. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, we got to realize that with kids, it can be extremely hard to detect depression specifically. So, um, I'd say the first thing we have to do is we have to realize how our children think. Um, so, you know, psychologists will say that children are egocentric. So, they genuinely believe that situations and things that happen around them are their fault. Like that is just an honest truth of it. Is that they they really genuinely believe that things that happen that are out of their control could possibly be their fault. So I think it's really important for us to think that way with our children. So to realize that a lot of what goes around them, the actions that we take, the things that we do deeply affect them. Um, they may not always come right out and say it. In fact, most of the time they won't come out and say it. And so I would say that the biggest practical advice is I've kind of done some research and talked to some people is that um, first of all, it is very important to rule out physiological causes. I think that going to a doctor is an important step to take. Um, I don't think we should fear going to a doctor um, because they are medical professionals. They know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. In terms of medication, that's your choice as to whether you do that or not. That's, you know, up to you. But I do believe that that is a very good first step to take. Um, I think with children specifically, um, one of the biggest pieces of advice I've given as I've asked questions about this is um, that kids really do need that one-on-one -on -one time with their mom and dad. So carving out that time where your child, you, you've planned it, your child knows this is our time each week, you know, or whenever to hang out and you get to choose what we do. Hmm. So with different kids, it's different. So with younger kids, you may even want to maybe take some time, spread out a blanket, let them choose some toys they bring into the playtime and spend that intentional time with them. Um, you know, I was told that as you do spend that intentional time doing whatever they want to do, a lot of times in the way that they play and the things that they just they talk about to you, you're going to figure out where their thought process is going. You don't have to sit there and ask them a bunch of questions. That's actually going to probably isolate them more. But you just give them that particular time to open up to you. Um, I know with older kids and teenagers, it can be a lot harder to connect. But I do think that if they know you are there for them at this particular time, you turn off your phone. You set a specific amount of time aside for that particular child. I think they start looking forward to that. 
every week and every time. But I do think one thing COVID taught us is that intentional time together as a family. Um, I was told that uh, from somebody who counsels children that at, when COVID first started, they actually saw a decline in the depression in children at first because they were getting that intentional time with their family. And then as time went on and that time started being taken away, there was a rise again. So mm. that tells us something. I mean, mm. that tells us yeah. that kids genuinely, it, listen, for kids, if they sense that you truly love them and want to intentionally spend time with them, that is huge in the eyes of a child mm. who has that egocentric thought process. Um, and if you are able to just kind of get down on their level and say, you know, for instance, if their grandfather just died, you get down on their level and say, hey, you know that that's not your fault, right? Even just verbalizing that a certain situation is not their fault and explain the circumstances of what happened, you just never know what's going on in a child's mind. And when you start seeing some shifts in behavioral changes, like if there are some attitudes that are going on or some things that are happening, it could be that there's something deeper going on you're not aware of. So I, I think there has to be a lot of listening, a lot of really trying to get down on a child's level and understanding how they think in order to possibly detect some of these things. Yeah. And I'm just going to say we need to do another uh, podcast episode in the future just about parenting and how to interact with yeah. your kids. I mean, uh, just even listening to you talk there, I'm thinking about the massive amount of kids uh, that I have come into contact with through our kids ministry or through our upward sports or just different venues that y it's obvious to me there's a lack of parental relationship. Uh, yeah. And these are kids that are you know, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, and they, they don't have good people skills w because they, they don't yeah. talk much to adults. And I, I, we do a whole, we could do a whole thing on that yeah. um, at some point in the future. So just make a side note for us to pick that up and yeah. come back to it. I think what we want to get into as well um, right now is to give out kind of eight strategies for dealing with depression, some very practical strategies for helping others who are facing this. This would be helpful for parents and families and or you personally if you're listening to mm -hmm. it. And so I'll, I'll talk about uh, one or two and then uh, Nick, if you'll, you'll pick up a couple, but you could jot these down and, and these would be very helpful for you. The first uh, strategy would be to describe, we, we labeled it like this, describe the experience. So if, if you have somebody that is struggling with being low or depressed or anxiety, describe the experience. Ask them, ask your child to describe the experience that they're having in vivid detail. Uh, you know, people are different, so depression comes in many different shapes and sizes. But the first is just to get, like, seek understanding. Seek understanding. Don't, don't just assume you already know uh, what's causing it or, you know, no, really seek to be a detective and find out what's going on here. Describe the experience. Then number two is to identify the cause. Then you move to that. You know, depression often is not just something that we have. It is something that we do. So invite people to examine, you know, their own hearts uh, with this question. If your depression, um, if your depression could speak, what would it say? Right. What does it say about you to others, to God? Um, depression is an active experience, and it can result from many sources other than physiological. Sometimes it is physiological. Seek medical help in those cases. But a lot of times it comes from something other than that, like we talked about guilt due to some reason, guilt due to something they're hiding or something they think is their fault, but guilt or a false guilt or misplaced shame or fear uh, or bitterness or hatred or something that happened to them that they just can't process and get over or a feeling of hopelessness. But, you know, first 
get them to describe their experience, identify the cause or the trigger of this. That would be the first two key components to dealing with this. Yeah, uh, I would say number three, two, read uh, and observe scripture. So we did that for a little bit, but if you're if you're dealing with uh, any of these issues and you just say, I don't know where to start, reach out to one of us. We'd love to share some passages with you that, that may help you because that's God's word. That's truth, and uh, it can speak to you. So number three, read and observe scripture. Number four, act on the truth. Sometimes you don't want to do things that you know you should do, uh, but I think there's some help there when you deal with depression is just to act on what you know is is right. I remember somebody gave me some good advice when I was going through uh, some hard times. They said, you just got to do what you know to do. That's mm-hmm. A lot of times that's faith, just doing what you know what to do or know what's right. And that's down to you don't want to brush your teeth, you got to brush your teeth, right? Mm-hmm. And so just doing small things like that bit by bit, step by step will help. Uh, I think, too, when you deal with people, number five, when you deal with people in in depression, you also got to look at their lifestyle and look at your lifestyle, too, if you're dealing with it. Sometimes it's just simply uh, a lack of sleep. Sometimes you're just not sleeping. That could be causing you, uh, you know, depression in your life. Um, Maybe you're a workaholic. Maybe you got kids that are going uh, through issues at school or whatever. Maybe it's just a lifestyle thing that needs to change. I'm not saying that's everything by no means. I'm just saying that's a that's a place to start so i would say look at the lifestyle yeah and i would just add to that like in my own personal experience like the issue that i dealt with um i had some major uh life situations happening and was anxious about that and could not sleep i went three straight days without any sleep three nights no sleep at all and when i went to the doctor you know it was like that was you're not going to get better till you can get some sleep your your body can't do this Hmm. it's causing issues the point you talked about number four acting on the truth right this is why it's so important if you're watching this or listening to this and you're feeling some of these things you got to get close friends and family members to to get involved with you you got to reach out to them for help because a lot of times when you're going through this you don't know the truth like you're struggling to know the truth and you may be having a hard time uh, with the scripture a devotional book that was really helpful to me during that time that i experienced all this was Streams in the Desert. Hmm. You can look it up. It's called Streams in the Desert. But I would read that. It would help put truth into my mind. But I had to ask other people for help because what, what, what one guy explained it, one medical doctor explained it like this, when someone's going through anxiety, intense anxiety, there are ele- elevated levels of, of chemicals in the brain. And it's, it's like someone on a path and, a, and a, a bear, they're walking on a hiking trail and a bear jumps out in front of them and their brain kicks in the immediate overdrive so they can you know, get away from this. And what happens? They run and they either get away or they don't and, and they're done, like the bear gets them, right? But when somebody's going through a, a massive amounts of stress and anxiety, those levels get elevated and there's never a release from it because the bear doesn't either get them or they don't get away. And when the, those elevated levels continue our thinking becomes clouded, and then we're not thinking truth. We're not thinking about what's true. And because it's clouded, we can't see that it's clouded. And you got to have the Word of God and other people speaking that truth in your life to help you in moments and seasons like that. So uh, we've talked about three, four, I'll and five. A, uh, I'll give a plug for life groups there. Yes. That's why we do life groups a lot of the times here. So if you're not plugged into a life group, let me encourage you to get involved in one because that's where you can create relationships. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and then the, the, the couple more we wanted to deal with, um, uh, resolve conflicts. Um, the, that That's another step to dealing with this. Sometimes just 
conflict, troubled relationships, lack of reconciliation uh, can be a trigger and a cause for some of this. Uh, number seven, uh, Nick, if you want to maybe work. speak to seven yeah. and eight. I'd say get to work. Number seven is it's important for you to start thinking about other people. You mentioned that, that sometimes you're so clouded and, and, and uh, really ego-driven because you're going through that and yeah. it's just all about you. And so sometimes it helps in, in depression to get busy. And uh, we would love to find you a place to get busy here because I know we can. But uh, there are other ways that you can just start serving people and thinking about other people. Uh, and then number eight, Kimberly mentioned this uh, as well. But we'd also encourage you that, uh, you know, don't shy away from seeing a doctor. By no means are we medical experts up here, as we said. Uh, but we, we do not throw that out by no means. So sometimes it reaches that level. So uh, don't, don't be afraid um, to, to see an expert when it comes to this. Uh, issue and we'll we'll uh, more we're more than happy to recommend as well. We've done that in the past. We have several uh, professional Christian counselors that we recommend in the area, and so if you are dealing with this, feel free to reach out. We'd love to connect you with somebody that could help. Yeah, and I, I would just add real quick before we make some book recommendations and close this episode. Sometimes um, in in the church um, there has been um, a stigma associated with any type of um, any type of medication and taking medication related to mental health. It's almost been like, well, you're not trusting God enough. We've looked at Scripture and all this. It's almost like well, if you just trusted God, you wouldn't have anxiety or depression or any of that. And there might be times where it is a failure to trust God, and it is primarily a spiritual issue, and it's not physiological, but there are times where it's physiological too because it is the brain. The brain is a physical part of our body. And I remember John Piper uh, one time being asked that question. You know, so a person, if a person takes medication for some type of mental health issue, that, does that mean that they're not trusting God? And he took his water bottle and he took a sip of it and he said, was I not trusting God? My physical body needed, needs water to survive? Am I not trusting God by depending upon this water to help me out? And he said, there are times we want to be very careful, very cautious about any type of medication that influences the brain. I, I would caution you. But I, if there's a physiological component involved, it's not that we're not trusting God. No, I mean, mm -hmm. we, we don't trust God. Um, it's not somebody's failing to trust God when they take their heart medication, right? And so we, we've got to we got to be careful about attaching some of these stigmas to it and try to get away from, from some of that. Be cautious, be careful. We ought to be cautious and careful about taking any type of medication for any kind of problem. But at the end of the day, um, if there's a physiological component involved, we shouldn't attach a stigma that there's some kind of lack of spirituality yep. there. And yep. I just wanted to say that. Let's close with That's some good. book recommendations. Sean, what do you got? Yeah, um, so before I give my, I do want to add in just for like parents' sake, especially since I'm over the student ministry, is is if your student is going through that or your child for children's ministry, don't think it means that you did something wrong. Now, I'm not going to say you didn't because it is possible that you could have caused this situation in your child's life, but don't think that it is because of you. I think a lot of times that's why parents are off put by this idea of depression is like, well, then that means I did something wrong and they don't want to accept that reality is that it, it could be, but I'm saying it, 
it doesn't always mean that it is. It, it very well could be something else that your child or your student's going through. Um, and so my two book recommendations, uh, the first one I have here is called Why Am I Feeling Like This? A Teen's Guide to Freedom from Anxiety and Depression. What this is, it's a kind of a book and a journal where this could be for a, a male or female student. Um, and they can go through this and work through this book. And it's going to help them better understand why they're feeling this uh, this situation of anxiety and depression. And then it's going to turn towards the, to the Bible and help them figure out, well, now, how do I begin to walk away from this? How do I begin to step over top of what I'm going through? And uh, I like it a lot is because it's not just a read, but it's also a journal. So it's got questions. It's got scripture. It's got different things that it has you do that's going to help, one, equip you, but two, help bring you out and over that uh, that kind of obstacle and barrier in your life. And the second uh, piece that I have is more about for suicide prevention. And uh, so there was a very controversial uh, series that came out on Netflix called 13 Reasons Why. Um, and we won't get into all the details of that. Uh, but what this book is called is 13 Reasons Why You Should Not Commit Suicide. Now, it is, does not have anything to do with that company or whoever created it. Uh, but what it is is the author of this book took that kind of title because he knew it would grab attention and he wanted to bring light to the gospel of this situation because the reality is is that yes suicides are increasing drastically and what this book does it's very very little i mean it's just nothing but a booklet like maybe maybe 50 pages uh long and what it does is first it talks about the feelings of it so hopelessness loneliness purposelessness um, and then it talks about, well, now let's take and let's reverse all those. And how do we do that with Scripture? So how do we find hope? How do we find a purpose? And how do we bridge or get out of this loneliness that we're facing? Uh, and it's all grounded in the Scriptures and in the Gospel um, so that we know that it's biblical truth that your student's going to get. Uh, and I have actually both of these in our youth ministry building, and I would love to give anybody who needs them uh, as the resources. I'm there for free. I'm not going to charge anybody for these. Just come and see me or give me an email or shoot me an email, and I'll be glad to get these to you or your student or your child if they need them. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, thank you for those recommendations. There's other books we could recommend. Disappointment with God by Philip Yancey is a great one. Um, I think uh, Spiritual Depression, if you're trying to sleep at night, is a good one, too. He'll put you right to sleep. Martin yeah, Mark Martin Lloyd Jones. <laughs> Jones <laughs> He'll put you right to sleep, but yeah. uh, it's a good book. Um, and there's others out there. And so if you're looking for some good recommendations, we'd love to recommend those to you. Uh, thank you again, for guys and, and lady, for joining us. We appreciate uh, the opportunity to sit down and, and have this conversation. Thank you for listening or watching this. Uh, we really appreciate uh, the opportunity to serve you at Lebanon Baptist Church. This is a ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. So if you want to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen or watch, please do that. Uh, we'd love to interact with you. Kimberly, thanks for joining us. Uh, pastors, thank you for being up here. And uh, thank you again for watching. We hope that you have a great week. Thanks for joining us for Around the Table, a discussion all about the ministry and preaching of Lebanon Baptist Church. If you would like to learn more about Lebanon Baptist Church, visit lbcnow.org. Make sure to follow Lebanon Baptist Church on Facebook and Instagram, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.